right. All right. All right. So what's up, everybody? Dr. D here. Hope everybody's doing good. I'm here with my brother from another mother, Ryan Smith. So we've been uh, working together uh, and getting closer and closer um, as these last couple of years has gone by. And um, he's really one of the very few people that I get on the phone all the time when I have questions. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Email. So Ryan's such a such a stud and so uh educated and well-rounded in many many uh senses ryan i i know you have a very very long laundry list of accolades but if you could just give us a little bit of an introduction and um of who you are what you do and uh, your your passion in life yeah absolutely so uh, again it, by my uh my journey to, to this space has been a little bit uh you know convoluted to say the least it started with sort of a biochemistry background uh then went to medical school but but absolutely hated it quite frankly i was seeing uh, you know a lot of sick patients uh people i didn't think i was actually helping so i made the, the pretty stupid financial decision to uh to quit and, and instead created a compounding pharmacy called tailor-made compounding and um that's really where i was introduced to the integrated medical space the preventive medical space but it's also uh, where I was able to use some of my previous experience with particularly, you know, creating and synthesizing peptides and proteins uh, to be able to build uh, what I would say awareness of, of sort of these peptide pharmaceuticals. Um, and, and so that was a, a really quick uh, and fast growing business. We were the fourth fastest growing company in healthcare um, and, and got to learn and, and meet a lot of really great physicians all around the world and learn from them in a lot of different aspects. Uh, but one of the things we always looked for was ways to objectively validate how these things were working. And um, and, and so toward the end of, of that experience at TaylorMade, I, I got really interested in this idea of of other new and innovative testing techniques. And that brought me to this idea of epigenetic testing, which is, uh, so we exited the pharmacy in 2020 and, and created True Diagnostic, which is where I'm at now. Awesome, awesome. And, 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 and this guy's not just an entrepreneur. He is really, really, really a scientist at heart. Like he knows his stuff. Um, you ask him a question, he'll send an article immediately right after with, you know, with the answer he just said. So, and again, uh, you know, another person having gone to medical school, et cetera, uh, we appreciate having this kind of conversation, you know, um, because every space nowadays, you see a lot of innovation, even in our financial space now, you know, with, uh, people you know with the cryptocurrencies and and blockchain and so forth and and innovation i i feel is it's always been part of humanity but it's really strong right now and um and when you're 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 a, a young doctor young scientist and you're 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 trying to think outside the box it's really interesting you know where where you work with somebody that's always on, on the top breath of science, sending you articles, looking at, you know, the, the latest and greatest science around the world even, right? And, um, German medicine, Russian medicine, et cetera. Um, really, really interesting. So, all right. So, so let's dive into it, Ryan. Um, um, hot topic nowadays is uh, longevity, performance, at least here for us at Biohacks is very hot. And uh, one, one uh, I heard this the other day, um, can't remember from who, but uh, somebody in the scientific realm s said something to me that um, we're either the last, what is it? The, we're the last civilization to die or the first one to live for, or forever, something like that. Yeah, uh, basically saying, you know, like it's really advancing, you know, like the regenerative medicine space. And this person I can quote, Dr. Giampapa, a friend of both of ours, 
uh, uh, Nobel Prize nominee, 2014, first president of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, A4M. Uh, in his book, he says that uh, the, the regenerative medicine is actually doubling. Every two years that goes by, the amount of information double doubles, right? Woohoo for us. That's a lot more studying, right? <laughs> so, um, so, so what's your thoughts on that? And then and on the longevity side, I mean, some, some, you know, what do you see with age and longevity? I mean, uh, performance and longevity and correlation of those two, right? So basically yeah. performance, longevity, because people think it's a separate thing. I'm like, uh -uh. you're either either breaking yourself down, you're either in a destructive state or a constructive state. And the age and longevity go to, geez, uh, longevity and performance go together, right? So give me some of your thoughts on that, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, they've got this thing now, this sort of idea of this longevity escape velocity, which is, you know, are we going to anti-age, uh, you know, enough to uh, to sort of you know change our 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 our, our lifespans to to really live a long time or live forever? You know, I, I wish that were the case. I, you know, I am a little bit more skeptical, probably, than most uh, about our ability to do that. But but there's no doubt in my mind that we can reverse the aging process or slow the aging process, especially in those people who have been damaged. And so I, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to live forever, but we're going to live, you know, a long time. We're going to live a lot healthier for a long time. And, and so I think that brings up this idea of, you know, uh, you know, people think about longevity. They think, I don't want to live till I'm 120. I don't want to live till I'm 130. I, you know, can you imagine that quality of life? But it brings back what you're saying, right? This whole idea of performance and, and, and sort of this idea of aging, it's not just about how long you're going to live. You know, aging is the biggest risk factor for every chronic disease and death, right? So it is, you know, if you can think of a chronic disease, cancer, you know, cardiovascular disease, you know, stroke, heart attack, Parkinson's, osteoarthritis, right? Even just moving from a day-to-day -day basis, all of these things, their number one risk factor is how old you are. There's a reason we don't see people in our 30s or, or you know, 20s with the same amounts of disease we see in our 60s. And, and so, so age itself, I think, yeah, hopefully people will start changing their concept and think of it as a disease because what we know is when we can change this, we can make massive impacts. You know, the thing that we measure is, is biological age, so not your chronological age, but the age of your body. And if everyone in the world were to reverse that by just seven years, just seven years, we could uh, cut disease in half. 50% of people would no longer be sick. You know, even if you look at the economic impact, and this is why it's getting so much funding now. This is why people are so excited about it. Because, you know, even if you just increased the, you know, longevity by one year, the average lifespan by one year, it would have over $260 billion worth of benefit to the U.S. economy. And so, uh, so you know, these things are, are, are big topics. And, and the problem has always been, again, how do we measure aging? Like, what, what do we want? And, and so, so to talk about that, you know, again, aging is, is absolutely related to how you look and feel. It is not just about the diseases you're going to get or how long you're going to live. And so, so, you know, if you're improving your aging, you're, you're probably going to be performing uh, better in all aspects of your life. Oh, uh, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Especially with those statistics. Yeah, the the you know the 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 seven year uh, reversal of that epigenetic age and impact on on fifty percent of disease. I mean, and just and then impact on 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 our country's finances. That's 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 very very important that people start understanding that a little bit better. Right. Um. So why don't we get into a little bit on on uh, how we actually measure. Um, aging because it doesn't matter really how many birthdays you've had, how many times you sing happy birthday, you actually have another, there's another marker there that's uh, really important and we're getting better and better, or you are getting better and better. <laughs> this stuff. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, for those of us that are, you know, those of you that are clients here and so forth, yeah, I really take my hats off to this guy. Genuinely speaking, so uh, <laughs> let us know a little bit because a lot of times it's like people are like, "Oh, is it, we're calculating telomeres," and it's like, eh, "Yeah, 
So um, I don't know. I know you have a little bit of a presentation that you maybe you could share with us on on how that. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you prefer to go that way, or or but but I think the presentation would be be probably better if you want to. Yeah, that. yeah, a absolutely. And so so you know um uh, I'll, I'll pull it up now, but um you know to sort of go through this, you know I'll talk about some of these other things about like you know how long do you think your age or, or really how long do you want to live? But it goes to this idea as what we mentioned earlier with this this difference between health span and lifespan, right? No one wants to live longer just to be sick for the majority of their life, and so. You know, whenever we talk about these these ways to mitigate age, we're not just talking about how long you live or how good you feel, and and we'll go over some of those things generally. But the idea has always been how do you quantify age, right? And and uh, you know, everyone has been sort of talking about uh, you know chronological age is a good example, right? Everyone knows people in their 70s who look like they're in their 50s, and everyone knows people in their 50s who look like they're in their 70s, and and so we've known forever that even though chronological age is the biggest risk factor for every chronic disease and death, it is still not the best measurement, right? There, there are better ways to, to sort of look at how someone's feeling and, 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 uh, and, and they're behaving in, in order to determine sort of their age of their body and therefore their risk for death. And so, you know, a long time ago, they, they decided that they were going to create these criteria for, for how to measure biological age. Um, and you can read them here, but I won't belabor the point. You know, generally, even in the 1930s, they were telling you the age of your body by your chronological age plus every one, you know, pack per year you smoked. So if you smoked one pack a day, you'd be essentially one year older biologically. And, and those were really, really crude measurements. But really, you know, in, in, in since then, even things like telomeres uh, have come out where, you know, telomeres, for instance, have, have, are those, you know, in caps of your DNA, which gets shorter as we age. But it's not that predictive of disease. It's not that, I would say, correlated with aging. And so until 2013, there really wasn't a marker that existed that was able to, to really do that. And, and, and for the first time now, we have a marker. And it's, it's this idea of what we call epigenetic clocks. And if there's one thing to take away, I, I would say, from this entire conversation, it is not that, uh, uh, you know, it's not these epigenetic clocks. It's epigenetics as a platform. Um, you know, and, and we can talk about what that is, um, and, and I definitely have some slides on that as well. But this idea of epigenetics, or sort of what we can read about what DNA is turned on or turned off, uh, will impact every area of medicine over the next 10 to, to 15 years. Um, it's anticipated to overtake even traditional blood testing over that time. And so this is going to be something you see in every area of practice, and it's absolutely something you can apply to your health. And so these epigenetic clocks have become a new way to uh, essentially diagnose the, the age of an individual and then and then implement change to see actually what reverses that clock. Because again, if we can reverse our clocks, we can reverse our risk. Um, and, and so this is really, a, you know, what, what Dr. D, obviously you all are using a lot of this in clinic to see what's working in your patients. And, and, and generally uh, we're seeing, you know, pretty good results. And so I, I think that this idea of a new and accurate way to measure your age is really, really exciting. And, and, and so in order to go into what we're actually measuring, it's important to talk about what this epigenetic methylation measurement is. And so uh, really, you know, I, I always explain this by saying every cell in your body has the exact same DNA sequence, right? If we took your hair cells or your saliva, we'd get the exact same DNA sequence. But, um, you know, those, those cell types behave very, very differently. The cells in your heart are very different than the cells in your liver. And, and that is because of what genes are turned on and turned off. And they're turned on and turned off by these epigenetic mechanisms. So you have little chemical tags on your DNA, which says, hey, this needs to be turned on or this needs to be turned off. And so we almost call sort of this like a light switch in your DNA. Um, and that's really what we're reading is we're not reading what your sequence of DNA is, but we're reading what's turned on and what's turned off. And that can give us a lot more insight. 
Um, and in particular, you know, the off switch is what we're measuring, which is DNA methylation. Um, and, and so uh, we're measuring those little chemical tags that are on top of your DNA, which tells your body not to turn on that gene. Um, and, and what we sort of found is that this is highly, highly linked to this idea of aging. Uh, we found patterns that, that have basically said, uh, you know, we can actually tell you how old you are chronologically in very, very accurate forms. And, and at first, that is how it was used. Um, you know, it was used to date, for instance, how old people were at a crime scene. Um, it was used to, to date if uh, refugees were over 18 or under 18 and therefore eligible for asylum, you know, as they were fleeing from Syria. Um, and, and, and so this has been, you know, uh, used in, in the larger world context for a long time, but it really didn't, uh, I would say, go into this, this health context until we had these clocks, which were able to show us a lot about how we age. And again, I won't belabor the point of methylation for, for those people who, who are not necessarily interested in the science, but we're looking at these places called CPG islands. And the thing to note is that there are 29 million of these per cell and every cell is different. And so this is a lot of data. This is, a, you know, as, as Dr. D sort of mentioned on, on the opener, uh, you know, the amount of data that we're generating is is robust, and this is a data set we've never seen before. And 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 I, that's funny because I was gonna I was gonna ask you to talk a little bit about methylation and so forth, but you just went straight into it because it's it's such <laughs> such a topic because um in you know the way I'm about simplifying all this stuff because like all these you know like this is great, but even for me sometimes these slides get scary because it's like Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> right? And you know when you get all these I'm like. I got to break this down. And, and uh, I always tell everybody, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, never was. So I got to do all these little analogies and so forth. For One thing I always say, I mean, and if this sounds very foreign, just think of it this way. Ryan, let me know if you'll agree with this analogy. There's a yeah. piano, there's a pianist. The piano's the the your DNA, your genes, right? And the, the pianist is the epigenetic environment. And you actually pick which ones you're going to turn on. So, yeah. and, and and that's exactly what I think Ryan was talking about. And methylation and so forth plays a, key, a huge role or it actually is kind of the process of playing that piano. Now, your, your, your environment is going to play a major role in what you're going to turn on and turn off. Just because you have the BRCA gene, right, for breast cancer doesn't mean you have to express it, right? But now there's things that are going to turn it on and there's things that are going to turn it off. For example, uh, diendylmethane, which is found in cruciferous vegetables, which is very, very good and protective towards uh, breast cancer and so forth, right? And, yeah. uh, and then you can for, for uh, many other things, but I, I don't want to lose our place and get into a new topic. <laughs> but just <laughs> so people understand really what this this is, and 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 it's like, okay, but what's the whole point of this? Well, because you can take a little bit more control of your health through data, it, it, right? Exactly right. I, I think that's the beauty of it is that, that this is something that's changeable and it's not just changeable, you know, from drugs. It's not just changeable from you know, supplements. It's changeable from diet, lifestyle, nutrition. It is it is everything in your life. I mean, we can even look at these epigenetic signatures and see how much you you drank across a lifetime, how much you've smoked, how much mercury or lead you've been exposed to this. This methylome what we can read here is really, really robust because it can predict just about anything. We can actually even predict death. And so, but the idea is these things are changeable. And so it puts it puts this uh, sort of emphasis on your DNA back into your own hands. It gives you a lot more control. So you can, uh, again, control control the music, right? Uh, obviously, that's, that's made in that analogy. Um, right. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and so again, not to get not to get too crazy with it, but um, you know, the, the idea here is that, that ultimately at the end of the day, what we're able to do is tell you how old you are. 
but we're not just able to tell you how old your body is. We're also able to tell you how fast you're aging right at this moment. And what that, that allows us to do is to treat aging for the first time in a very objective way. You know, uh, you know, Dr. D and I might both take a particular medication. His aging rate might go up, mine might go down. But now we can right. actually see that on a personalized and individual basis. We can see what works for us. And, and that allows us to really, you know, approach this idea of aging with, uh, you know, a, a, a really good and useful tool. Yep, absolutely. Um, and aging, I tell people, aging is the ultimate disease. Uh, and now you hear a new term, inflammaging, right? Because people have inflammation and, you know, and, and then aging knows. It's, it's, uh, I don't know who coined this term. Maybe you do, but I uh, I like that term and whoever coined it, I've been using it a lot. So, like, <laughs> um, and, and, but aging is the ultimate disease because it's almost like the attractor to everything. It's the you know, wear and tear of our, of just you as a, as a person. So, um, now as we look, um, uh, into aging and performance, right. I always like to correlate a little bit, uh, performance. They're not two separate things, right? It's like I say, you're in a either constructive or destructive state, right? So, um, now Ryan, if we can get into a little bit actually, because you know, the, like I said, so sometimes people ask us, oh, is this the measurement of telomeres or, or, you know, if we can get into the parameters and I know, I know we, we, we use like a Yale protocol, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we can get into how actually like the, the, the latest and greatest of how we actually measure uh, these, these epigenetic clocks, how do they work? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, the, so hopefully, you know, if you can see the slide, it, it's a good example of uh, sort of where people stand on telomeres now, which is that they're absolutely linked to age, uh, but they're generally not as predictive as the measurements we're using now, which are very, very predictive of these health outcomes. And so I always like to show this because again, people associate, I think telomere length as a good biomarker of age, and it is a biomarker of age, but it's not the best. What is the best now are definitely these epigenetic clocks. And so what we're actually measuring is the pattern, um, I, I would say, of those clocks, right? So, so what we're measuring is the actual methylation on your DNA, and we're measuring 900 100,000 locations, and at each location, we're getting a number between zero and one, right? We're getting a percentage. Um, and, and really, that data by itself would be absolutely useless. Um, you know, if, if that's the only data we had, it, it wouldn't be very helpful. But what we've done now, now in the advent of computer learning and artificial intelligence, we're able to create algorithms which are able to predict certain types of outcomes. And so the algorithms and, and outcomes we're, we're looking at now are things like um, you know, how you're, you're aging, right? What are your disease rates or risk? How, when are you likely to die? And with that, what we can see is that generally people who are older than their chronological age with these clocks are at more risk for these outcomes. Um, so, for instance, and, and uh, I always like to um, you know mention, mention cancer as a as, as a really good one. If you can see here on this, uh, you know, for for anyone who is one year older biologically, so they're one year older than their chronological age. So, if you're you're 40 and and you get this test back and you're 41, you would increase your risk of developing cancer within the next three years by six percent and you'd increase your risk of dying of cancer in the next five years by 17%. Um, and so again, you can see those risks definitively increase if you're older than you should be, right? And, and that's what this biological age tool is for, is it, it, it's connected not just to cancer, but every type of risk, every type of age-related disease. So we can actually tell you, you know, how much this increases your risk of, of stroke or heart attack or you know, peripheral artery disease or diabetes. All of these things are linked to age because age is the underlying factor for them all. And so that's what we're measuring. And then we can actually tell you how your age is, is changing these factors. And, and, you know, uh, and again, this goes into some of the, our, 
difficult types of reports, which again, talk about all these age-related diseases. But uh, you know, to go a step further than that, Dr. G, I'd love to just uh, talk about one of my favorite markers, which is this, this duty and pace of aging marker. This is what we developed with Duke and uh, you know, Columbia. Um, and it tells you at this moment exactly how fast you're aging. And, and you can see here, it tends to slowly go up over time. So it's harder to keep that rate of aging low. But even if you're slightly above one, uh, if you're at 1.01, 1 so you're aging 1.01 biological years per year, you'd increase your risk of death over the next seven years by 56%, and you'd increase your risk for chronic disease diagnosis over the next seven years by 54%. Um, but the reason I like to pull out this one is because this one is absolutely connected to, I think, uh, what you're mentioning, Dr. D, is all these performance-related markers, right? How is life worth living? And so we can actually see this. Uh, you know, we, we've followed this group actually since the time that in 1972, uh, you know, when they were three years old, and that all the way up until, until now when we released our last paper in, in the fall. Um, and we can see here that, for instance, you know, in terms of performance metrics, if you look on, on the bottom graph, you can see that as people have a faster rate of aging, their performance on this balance testing gets worse. Uh, we also see this with grip strength and muscle mass. If you want to keep on muscle mass, if you want to keep on athletic performance, aging is a factor that changes this. Um, and so again, you can see here, the faster that you age, the worse your, your muscle mass and grip strength. We actually have, see this even- uh, so, I have a bunch of jujitsu athletes, like a lot of them. That grip strength yeah. right here, I know, I actually mentioned that to one of them the other day. I'm like, and, 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 and about this correlation here, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we gotta fix Definitely. That. Yeah, no, and again, yeah, not just grip shape, but all muscle mass, right? Even in, in, in obviously balance is important for any athlete too. And, and, and also cognitive, right? Cognitive, you know, even how you, you approach uh, everything mentally, uh, we, we can actually see up to a 15 IQ point difference. And 15 IQ points is a big deal at age 45 from people who are aging at a rate of two versus aging at a rate of one. Um, and, and so, and we don't just see this in, in IQ tests, we see it actually on the brain itself. But, but you know, I think one of the, the easiest ways to talk about how aging impacts is even, even aesthetically. And so this is one of my favorite images to share too, because you know, all of these people that you see here are the same chronological age. They're all age 45. And these are all actually com composite images of real people. Um, and, and so this is uh, you know, from our cohort. You can look at the people on the left. Those are the people who are, have the slowest aging rates um, versus the people on the right who are those people who have the fastest aging rates. And they look to be 30, maybe you know, 20, 30 years apart. Um, and, and, and even though they're the same chronological age, and that's because they probably are that far apart. Some of them had been aging at a rate of 1.6 years their entire life. Others have been aging at a, a rate of 0.6 years their entire life. So when they get to age 45, this is the difference, right? And so, so it goes to show you aging doesn't just, although we know it's tied to disease and longevity, it's also tied to all those things that, that people consider whenever they're, they're thinking about quality of life, right? How you think, how you move, what you're able to do, and, and obviously how you look as well. And so that, I think that brings back to Dr. D's point, say, you know, aging cannot be separated from, from really any part of life. And if you want to improve it, you should definitely uh, focus on aging as a, a primary biomarker. Oh, absolutely, man. It makes no, no, no sense nowadays to not take advantage of this, um, especially if you're, I mean, anybody. I, mean, I was going to, no, anybody. Um, now, um, now that we talked about how we measure this, so we know it's a, a few different parameters. Um, and this study has been going on for years. And uh, and as it goes on, and, and with, like you said, with art, artificial intelligence, et cetera, it's just, uh, it's 55 parameters, correct? In, uh, yeah, so it was based off 55 measurements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and it started in 1976. Yes, 1972. Uh, uh, but it really started in earnest uh, about three years later. Yeah. Right. So, so I mean, it's been going on for, and as artificial intelligence is also getting better, this is just going to get more and more precise, right? So, exactly. 
Um, and then the, so it's, this is proving a lot better than just measuring telomeres, right? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that we're actually getting more detail and data in measuring age, let's talk a little bit maybe about how to, some implications because everybody's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's possible, Ryan, you know, that you look, look crunched a lot more of this data. I mean, we just see our, our cohort here, uh, which isn't bad, but do you see a lot of these clocks actually start reversing? Yeah, we, we, we do. And, and, and unfortunately I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, shoot down people's dreams a little bit, which is that, you know, you know, you're, you're not going to see a decade of change in, in a couple of days, right? It, that, that is, you know, uh, not necessarily possible. But, but with that being said, we are seeing age reversals. And, and again, that's actually, I think, a good thing instead of a bad thing, because, um, you know, you, you wouldn't want a metric that is not real, right? And we, we also know that you can't, you know, you, you can't re rejuvenate yourself back to, you know, a 15-year-old overnight. Um, and, and, and so, it's like, oh, <laughs> right? It's, Going? Am I gonna? I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know exactly. We wish, and maybe we'll get there one day. I think that there are some therapies which are really, really exciting. I mean, uh, you know, to point to that to give people again some of that hope uh, that I just took away. You know, there are, are therapies right now that have, have taken these epigenetic ages um, and reversed them back to zero um, in, in cell studies and, and even in mouse trials. Uh, it's called this idea of uh, you know these Yamanaka factors where they reprogram cells and and you know whether you're interested in doing that or you're just interested in you know even business. It was the biggest startup of all time. Uh, the most well-funded startup of all time was announced right around three months ago, uh, called Altos Labs, funded by Yuri Milner and Jeff Bezos, and uh, and they uh, they essentially are are funding this idea of hey, how do we reset these epigenetic age? How do we take cells and turn them back to pluripotent stem cells? Um, you know, in vitro. To, to reverse age and so so although i might say there's nothing now that will reverse you to the age of a 15 year old you know there might be uh, eventually and, and we're starting to already see animal applications you know dr david sinclair from harvard used those same factors and restored uh vision to, to age-related blind mice and so so we know these things are have some really big potential and so so as we're talking about that escape velocity of longevity that we mentioned those are some of the things which are really exciting to fix it right right, right absolutely um yeah and, and and with uh yeah when you start talking about these things i get hope i'm 37 you know maybe <laughs> um so i should have said i'm 72 and you know the <laughs> exactly <laughs> no, but um but yeah so so you mentioned some 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 cool therapies uh that uh you can apply to these things and and um Let's maybe jump into a few of these. Like, uh, there's a trial I always like mentioning, uh, the the trim trial. I know, I know, it still needs, you know, it was applied nine nine individuals, and uh, but it consists of uh, of a study applied to nine individuals. They were able to extend their lifespan for, for two years, um, and um, and uh, so trim stands for thymic re regeneration, immuno uh, restoration, and insulin mitigation, right? So those three strategies, right? I like to use that language a lot here. So what are our strategies? How are we, how are we going to accomplish this, right? One thing I'm obsessed with, um, I'll just I'll just drop it real quick, is the thymus gland. Um, very very upset. Not thyroid, guys. Not parathyroid. I'm not talking about here. It's right here. It's the middle of your chest, and it's involuting as your age. It's getting smaller. When you're a baby, it's really big, um, and as you're 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 aging, it's getting small. Very very small. Uh, we won't talk so much about it, but uh, right now, um, and actually, that probably deserves a podcast or a webinar itself. <laughs> uh, very, very hot topic. Um, but 
other things like insulin mitigation, immune restoration, um, those are things that we do here. The immune system for us is so important. I mean, just to re inflammation, right? We just said inflammation, right? Immunorestoration. See, the, the, the immune system is so important um, because uh, you know, one of a good, a good way to die is when your immune system gets overwhelmed by some kind of disease or whatever it is or chronic disease and so forth. So some ways to, to, to strengthen your immune system is actually the well, first thing I tell people is avoid the darn toxicity. Get away from the the, the environment again, and we get back into the epigenetic clocks. And now see how this thing all starts to connect. I mean, the epigenetic, the environment, right? Yeah, your epigenome, right? Um, and that's where sometimes you're 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 putting inside your body things like that are going to be have a deleterious effect on you in the short term performance yeah. and long term longevity, such as you know the glutens and, and dairy products or whatever. But we always say you know that we should you should use uh, personalized data to see what actually is really harming you or not, right? So lots of times, the first strategy is removal of toxicity. Oh, here we always, that's something we always talk about before you get into any fancy, because everybody's like, what can I buy? What can I, it's like, no, just avoid first, right? Um, and then, uh, but Ryan, maybe we can jump into um, um, a few a few strategies. For example, going back to the trim trial, they used uh, growth hormone, DHEA, and metformin. So, yeah. and metformin, if I think if I had a penny for every time somebody asked me my thoughts on pep metformin, it's like, so what's your, what's your yeah. take on metformin? Well, you know, so, so I'll say, you know, first off, the trim trial had great results. And, and again, it was this whole idea of, hey, let's use growth hormone, this, this, you know, really powerful hormone to regenerate that thymus. But the side effects of that are going to be maybe some insulin sensitivity. So how do we go about you know, reducing that. And, and so they, they obviously chose metformin and DHEA as a way to, to take away that major side effect. And the results they had were great, but but I would also say that in our data sets, we, uh, I would say, don't see that, that great of results necessarily with metformin, at least in terms of epigenetic aging. And, and so with that being said, we might prefer some other, you know, ways to mitigate that same risk. And, you know, DHEA is a good example. I, I think for, for DHEA, we we uh, see some some really amazing results with with a, such a, a you know a supplement essentially um, where it can reverse age in 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 a pretty big way by limiting the effects of stress right and and, and that goes back I think to what you're talking about which is the first thing you do is, is figure out what to take out of your life right not necessarily what to put in and and I think that you can do it exogenously with DHEA but you know going back to the idea of, of even just you know maintaining the um, you know maintaining the, the immune system we also know that for instance people who just take vitamin D at 4,000 IU per a week for for 16 weeks can on average reverse your epigenetic age by 1.8 years and and that's crazy right if you can think of you know we talk about that seven-year age mark as a way to reverse 50 percent of your own risk for death and, and disease you know if, if vitamin d just for 16 weeks can get you you know 1.6 of uh you know of years that that's pretty incredible and so we know the immune system is important and the immune system can target things like those senescent cells but you know in our regard to, to metformin i i think that uh, you know, it, a lot of people hoped it would be the first anti-aging approved drug. You know, they got the TAME trial, which is going on. But in our experience, you know, I think that it, uh, you know, people have a lot of side effects. It doesn't have that big of an anti-aging effect um, in our data sets. And, uh, and generally, we prefer other things, I, I would say, that, that, that might make a little bit more sense. Right, 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 right. So us here, too, um, you know, and there's, there's things in um, like antioxidants that are really good that have a little bit of that. Um, 
hypoglycemic effect like alpha lipoic acid, a mineral like chromium, which our soil has very little chromium nowadays, or, you know, with the agricultural revolutions we've had first with the pesticides and the GMOs and so forth, uh, chromium, selenium, minerals, that's a whole big conversation right there. Um, but, but, uh, very, very important to, um, to understand this point with, um, with, uh, with lowering sugar. I pause here for a second because this computer is about to run out of battery. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Huge. You see everything around. Uh, left me alone in the room. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been there. The difficulty I'm having. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, for, for what it's worth, though, uh, you know, as you speak about minerals, you know, an interesting thing that we're finding out now is that, that surprisingly lithium, which has been used as sort of an antipsychotic medication for years, uh, is a mineral which has been shown to, you know, reduce some biomarkers of aging, including epigenetic age and uh, and increased telomere length, as we talked about that, too. So even something as, you know, lit, you know low dose lithium, lithium supplementation from, uh, you know, a, a sort of a mineral standpoint might be positive. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so insulin insulin mitigation is a huge point, and that's and then that again, you kind of got to bring in fasting, right? Fasting is, I mean, what's one of the, you know, um, w when you're fasting, you don't have those insulin spikes, and then ultimately, what what's the big issue with it? You know, with these insulins, you turn on mTOR, right? mTOR truly is a is a is a very uh, um, well, it's the pathway that pathway is very linked to cancer and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, mitigating insulin is very important for, for a plethora of reasons, but one can be that as well. Um, so, uh, okay. So on, on that side, on the insulin mitigation, just to kind of wrap it up, there's something like alpha lipoic, I mean, and this is anyway, shape or form, any, you know, kind of, uh, medical advice. If you have any questions, go speak to your medical practitioner and, uh, and uh have this conversation with him but oh i see you brought something here on on mtor what is this <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i know it's always a joke because uh you know for well, i should say a joke in the longevity community because you know mtor is so important for aging uh you know and uh there's obviously mtor inhibitors like rapamycin where in all the clinical trials animal trials i should say the lowest amount of lifespan extension was nine percent that's incredible i give it to my dog uh but but you know it seems like every time we, we think we find a new anti-aging intervention we, it always becomes mTOR, right? It all goes back to mTOR. And so as you're talking about fasting and some of those things, I just wanted to emphasize your point that mTOR is important. Well, that's funny. I actually, I to, <laughs> I'm going to take that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, again, it boils down to that, you know, and, and, um, and, and uh, which then leads me to the other point in the trim trial, they use the growth hormone, right? They use growth hormone, um, which is uh, something interesting. Uh, we, our, our physicians here don't prescribe this. I, I'm, I'm not a prescribing physician, just for those of you getting to know, know me. Um, I, I went to school, I have an MD, MBA, but I, I manage um, and I, I'm board certified in alternative. But, um, but our physicians here, we don't prescribe growth hormone. However, um, there seems to be some, uh, or very heavy data linking growth hormone levels to um, um, anti-aging effects or, or longevity effects. And again, in the trim trial, it was used to help regenerate the thymus gland. So, um, but then it caused the problem of the sugar. The sugar levels come up with the growth hormone, right? Um, and thus the use of metformin. Um, but 
if you want to provoke your growth hormone levels, for example, fasting, one of the main things of also that we saw in fasting, not only does it inhibit mTOR, but it increases growth hormone. <laughs> so again, uh, we, and we didn't even, when we spoke about this before doing, Ryan, you and I, we didn't even say, hey, let's talk about fasting. But I mean, these things always end up coming right back up, right? It's the only proven way to really make a human live longer, correct? Yeah, you know, fasting and caloric restriction is is uh, you know indispensable. If there's one way, one thing to recommend to everyone, that is the thing, right? That that's the thing that would help everyone, and definitively has been shown to do it. And 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 for what it's worth, even in our even in our rate of aging, that's a way to change that rate of aging really really quickly. If you go get that test with Dr. D and see your your rate of aging is you know one point you know oh five or something, you can get that down really really quickly just by doing some some caloric restriction, eating less than than your you know intaking essentially, um, and and, uh, and so really easy ways to, to change that, that behavior and change your aging process. Yeah. Um, if you guys kind of see my, my makeup, I'm not a big fan of, of fasting. I'm, I'm 5'8 and I weigh 195 pounds. So <laughs> when I, and I train lots of days twice a day and oh man, the fasting thing sometimes like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is something that I am very, very, very fond of. And I mean, and if you also look back into old civilizations and religion and so forth, it's not something that we just came up with this. It's been, it's, it's all this time, you know? So um, really, really cool um, intervention. And we kind of explained to you the two really strong um, in, uh, ways this f fasting helps by, again, increasing growth hormone levels and decreasing that mTOR intervention, that culprit guy that always shows up. <laughs> um, okay. And then... Um, um, I guess to start wrapping it up, uh, I did not, I just checked on the time now. I did not think we were, we spoke this long, but also there's, there's, uh, a few other things that, you know, and I guess we can wrap up a little bit with, uh, peptides and stem cells and just a few of these other hot topics coming up. I just did, uh, stem cells for the first time. I did it with, uh, Dr. Jim Pop in Costa Rica. Wow. I did get a little bit of a cytokine reaction. I was knocked out two days later and I like where I had to take a nap in the afternoon and so forth. I, I, because I trained jujitsu, I actually, I did an EMG and, um, a nerve conduction study and so forth. And I really, uh, my C8 T1 right here, uh, on my right side, uh, coming out of my neck. So that's a, a nerve from the brachial plexus, right. For those of you that are not so medically inclined, um, it's a nerve that comes down your arm. I mean, innervates the whole thing. You're, uh, top of your chest. I mean, I had muscle atrophy. Like it was crazy. Like, uh, and it's, it's just, I'm, I'm like 80% there. Um, and it really worked. It really worked for me. Um, um, doing the stem cells and, and then I, I do some peptides too for regenerative purposes, like, uh, the BPC 157, which that's, uh, old school one, right. That more people uh, know about and, uh, thymus and beta, some GHK, to help renew uh, the tissue. That's what I did specifically for this. And I mean, I, I was, it's pretty impressive. I'm about to do the EMG again with the nerve conduction study, which is not fun. If you guys don't know how that thing is, it's, they shock you. It's like terrible. It's like you're getting tased. <laughs> the, the examiner is literally like cracking up. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, this is funny. This is a funny job, but so, uh, yeah, but so I'm about to do that again to see how the results, but uh, what, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on, on a little bit of, uh, on especially peptides, stem cells, and their intervention, I mean, their correlation with these uh, yeah. epigenetic clocks? And also, one thing I want to tell you, actually, that I did yesterday, a little buddy side note, I did the Grail test, the cancer one. Ooh, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, whatever. Let's, yeah. let's 
some good results. But for you, those of you guys that don't know, actually, Ryan introduced me to this test. Is Grail great? You could go to Grail.com. It's a predictive uh, cancer test. I mean, phenomenal work those guys are doing. Um, they do about they detect 50 cancers, of which 45 before we couldn't really even kind of test for. And um, I mean, and if that thing is positive, they will pair you with an oncologist and so forth. And really, really cool. Um, so yeah, thanks, Ryan, for pointing it that way. And yeah. I. Gonna do the test here. Everybody's like, do it first. <laughs> so let's see how it goes with you. I'm like, um, but yeah, going back to the peptides and the stem cells. Um, what are your thoughts? Some of your favorite peptides. Some of your. Yeah. Have you done stem cells? If I can. So, so yeah, so I haven't, I haven't done stem cells yet. You know, I, I almost certainly will though. I think uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a you know adverse to, to new types of treatments, and uh, you know, I believe in stem cells for sure. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I'm also probably even a bigger fan of the peptides. You know, I think that the diversity and of different things you're able to do with those peptide-related interventions, I think, are are great. I've been, you know, doing a lot of peptides as well, uh, you know, for a long time. Some of my favorites include the ones you mentioned, right? The, you know, things like the thymus and beta-4 are great for nerve repair. They're great for soft tissue and muscle recovery. Um, very big fans of those, especially if you're you're doing anything performance-wise. You know, you can even just take your delayed onset muscle soreness and, and cut it in half, essentially, with, with some of those products. Um, it, but you know, probably one of my favorite peptides is is uh, is a mitochondrial peptide called SS31. Uh, you know, uh, this is not hyperbole when I say it, but you know, one injection is the ATP equivalent of six months of daily endurance training exercise. And and again, ATP is that sort of energy of your energy currency of your cell. And so uh, you know, if you can, as we age, our mitochondria become a little bit less efficient. And if you can restore those, you can restore a lot of uh, sort of efficiency and energy production, which helps in a lot of different things like free radical reduction. Uh, you know, even just in performance. And so that's the 31 is, you know, one of those lesser known peptides, which I'm a very big fan of. I have it in my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, that's why so my Max, I, we, I mean, I can't turn the camera, but we have a VO2 Max machine here and I invite anybody to break my record. I still have the record here and we have a lot of, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, but in, with all honesty, I haven't used it yet, so I've not tried it. Um, so I'm 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 a big fan of someone like the and that kind of goes with the SS3 Matsi I love the Matsi mm -hmm. mitochondrial uh, C peptide which uh, there's uh, a lot of connection between um, the Japanese the uh, that live the longest in the blue zone if you guys are you know if you have not heard of blue zones it's areas in the world where people live to a, 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 there's there's more centenarians with good life and health span so they live with a good quality of life and uh, uh, in Japan, which I believe is the first one, is Japan, uh, Sardinia, Italy, uh, Costa Rica, and Loma Linda, California, the Seventh-day Adventists um, in the United States. And now they say there's a fifth one. I believe it's Greece. Um, so point is the Japanese, they've, they've done – there's a phenotypic link uh, between them having more matsi and uh, um, um, a long uh, – more longevity and what it does it increases the amount of my, I mean, the mitochondrial biogenesis right and that one actually oh going back to the insulin mitigation decreases insulin as well right by upregulating glut 4 receptors in the muscle right yeah. and um so if you have more mitochondria too more energy and then if yeah. with more energy and then upregulating glut 4 in in the muscle insulin mitigation you're going to lose a little bit of weight nothing crazy all right women out there nothing like you're gonna lose 20 pounds in 10 days none of that um i i use it a lot of you know for energy purposes and so forth and i noticed like i i do you know pretty lean guy ryan ryan's very lean as well you know so uh, i like to see yeah. a lot as well 
love it too. And, and, you know, people always think, uh, you know, uh, we always talk about doing post-workout shakes and things of that nature. And the reason is because exercise upregulates that same glute four receptor, right? It's the only thing that upregulates that glute four receptor. So if you're in a, if you do post-workout protein, do MOTC too, because you're increasing those glute four receptors, but you're not just doing it at the time of workout, right? You're doing it. It's an exercise memetic. And, and, and so, uh, it, it, again, it's a, it's a product I'm a big fan of as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's some pearls there and, and guys, and, um, um, this topic could go on forever and forever, you know, like, uh, uh, uh we've been at it for 45 minutes. Um, we're going to start wrapping it up, but, you know, do consider, uh, I know, and, and hopefully you guys aren't feeling too confused and so forth, because that's what the, the, was my goal in what we do is to actually make this a lot easier to understand. So I always like to drop our philosophy here at specifically at biohacks, which is number one, remove the four R's I call it, or now five R's remove, remove what toxicity. Number two, replenish, replenish what's missing in your body. Look at a micronutrient study. Look at, look, look at, you know, the levels of, 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 of uh, uh, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants and so forth that your body may need. And, and on the removal side, going back to point number one, look at, uh, for example, we use Cyrex laboratories, really like Cyrex uh, to, to, to see exactly what we need to remove out of that person's life. Sometimes it's additive, sometimes it's chemical, sometimes it's heavy metals, uh, parasites, uh, uh, food peptides that are getting in, in the, the way this person's life causing the leaky gut and et cetera, et cetera. And then three, replenish, replenish that gut flora, right? Where we get that gut back and functioning. So here we're big on GI maps and so forth. Uh, four, recovery. Recovery is huge. If you're not sleeping properly, et cetera, and uh, that brings to mind another peptide I really like, DSIP, Delta Sleep-Inducing Peptide. I love that darn peptide. Uh, works very, very well. And then also there, what we do is neurotransmitter mapping, um, where we look at the levels of, of actually serotonin, dopamine, PEA, norepinephrine, epinephrine, GABA, glutamate in, in, your, in your brain, right? Um, and to see how you're thinking, if you're anxious, if you're uh, depressed, et cetera. So we look at that, you know, and how, how are you recovering? And then ultimately, and this is kind of like the abitida of the whole calculation, this is, uh, this is the, 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 our drum roll here at Biohacks, is what's your epigenetic age when you came in and now as we're you know, a few months down the line or years down the line, how's that epigenetic age, which we call re-exist. So remove, replenish, uh, re-inoculate, recover, and re-exist. Hopefully there we are able to reset your epigenetic clock a bit and you're able to re-exist, right? That's what we say here. So it, you know, keeping it simple, you know, just, just that, that's our strategy here to try to help everybody out. And, and, uh, and once you, we've been successful and once we do these things, we're able to see these epigenetic clocks reverse, uh, uh, a bit. And Ryan, I just have to thank you for, you know, just being such an innovator, a pioneer and, um, you know, helping us guys, you know, he, Ryan not only helps me, but he helps the whole industry to be, you know, bigger, better, faster, stronger, as I, as I like to say. <laughs> So, so no, thanks for having me and uh, hopefully we'll be on to do it again one time, but uh, appreciate it. And uh, um, hopefully for anyone listening, you, you'll uh, start looking at your age. Oh yeah. Look at your real age. <laughs> Look at your real age. How old are you really? And Ryan, should we, I'm, I'm going to finish actually, because these people probably think, how old are these guys? <laughs> in, <laughs> mine is not that good actually. I really beat myself up <laughs> over the years. I'm actually right now kind of one-on-one and it's, I'm still working on bringing this thing down. So, yeah. you know, I didn't, medical school i didn't know any of this you know it was uh sleeping was a luxury kind of deal i've, I've never 
always had a very clean diet until this day. I'm, I'm no, 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 no judgment here, but I've never, I've never tasted alcohol. Like I've always been really, you know, no processed sugars. I've, but the sleep factor really killed me. Really, really, really. I mean, I would do all nighters like for two, two days, three days. I really, that messed me up hard. So I just yeah. little. I'm working on it myself. <laughs> Same way, you know, I, I first time I tested, I, I was surprised, which, which again, it goes to, I think, tell you that it's not always what you think, right? Um, you know, you, you don't know until you test. So I was around two years accelerated. And now over the course of 1.5 years, I, I finally got it down to uh, being younger biologically than I am chronologically. And so uh, again, you can take it into your hands, you can make changes, find out what works for you. So that's, again, it's in your control. There you go. And, and we'll wrap up with that. It's in your control, guys. Thanks for 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 watching today. I hope you guys got some good some good value out of this. And Ryan, again, thanks. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. All right. See you guys. <laughs>